You're listening to the Blumeric Podcast. My name is Lucy and I'm happy to introduce you to Julia and her artwork in this brand new episode. Julia Agnes explores gesture, selfhood and body language through sculpture in polymer clay. She is one of a few people who devote their art to the realistic interpretation of women's bodies. And that is, in today's world where media present one idealized standard we all should reach, very important. Hello, Yulia. I'm so happy to see you and to meet you in this way. I'm so happy to be here. Hello. You know, we were in touch a few times because of the collaboration with Polymer Week magazine and the society. But today I'm super happy to have you in our Polymer Week podcast. I prepared a few tricky questions for you. So, oh, God. <laughs> okay. No, but I'm just looking forward to hearing more in person and more details about your art. Do you like listening to podcasts? Do you have some favorites? I I do. Um, I have about a, I want to say about 40 on this phone right now. Um, I mean, I, I listen to everything from politics to art to science. There's there's a lot kind of going on and I'll listen throughout the day. And so um at the moment it's it's a lot more science-based than anything else just to kind of change my you know change my mindset yeah. and, and get into to other things so there's a lot of npr there's a lot of nature there's a lot of big biology that kind of stuff wow in your artwork you explore the profusion of beauty within mood emotion and character and i'm curious when did you first get the idea to start sculpting women characters from polymer clay Oh man. Uh, so I started polymer probably a year and a half ago. It's actually quite recent. I'd sculpted before, but this particular kind of thing I um, you know, I'm pretty new to and, and so it's been a, a big learning curve. Um, but it came uh, probably at the end of the year, uh, right before the pandemic hit. That was that was kind of when it started. So so yeah. So January 2020 is when the first granny appeared. Literally on on New Year's Day, I got up at like 4 a.m. and I was like, "This needs to come out" because it's been kind of in the back of my head for so long. And um, and I I just sat there before sunrise that I started working and things started coming out really quickly. And um, I think a lot of it had to do with. Um, kind of processing my own feelings and processing my own grief and my own uh, ideas around femininity and, and body and, and self-perception and everything that goes into that. Um, and, uh, you know, frankly, a lot of frustration and anger at like the way that women are portrayed right now. Um, and that's changing. It's changing very quickly, but it's it's still frustrating to see that happening. You know, to be honest, I have that kind of feeling that this session with you is going to be a therapy for me as well. <laughs> Because, you know, I was talking about your artwork with someone today, with our graphic designer of the magazine, and we were like, yeah, like, this is like an issue that we are going through as well. And we are like, yeah. I would say that we are young, like 20, 25 years and mm -hmm. body shaming and everything that is happening in the world and also in our minds. I'm just yeah. like very happy that this is the topic you chose to create and also to share 
with your audience. Thank you. Um, I'm glad I can help. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely something that's prevalent and it's something that as well for me has been uh, a bit of a learning experience. I, I come from a family of women, like it's, it's with three generations of like, you know, single mothers essentially. And so it's, um, the matriarch is always, always something that's been present. And I had a, a really interesting upbringing in that way where like, I didn't, I wasn't aware so much of my, of how I was coming out into the world for a very long time. I was very sheltered and very kind of in my own bubbles. Um, and probably very naive in a lot of ways as well. And so when it did kind of hit and, you know, I'm, I'm in my thirties, I'm starting to have wrinkles. There's, you know, there's tiredness that just doesn't go away anymore. <laughs> like, the bags are there. Um, and, and kind of perceiving, suddenly feeling like I'm being less seen, you know, like less noticed and, and what you, what I'm noticing is not kind of so much the attention as the absence of it you know that that kind of awareness that like suddenly i'm not necessarily comfortable being in front of the camera i'm not and, and the way that like my body's changing and the way that the women around me especially the older women see themselves and it's been a really interesting thing to to see that happen because a lot of the time what i've seen is the people that have asked me why you know you make you know your, your work is is so realistic it's so close to you know to you know they look like they could open their eyes why don't you make beautiful people and it's like and I, I asked him with the men and it was just like well why don't you make you know young and the women that it was coming from were older women and this is how they saw themselves as like not you know not being beautiful not being existed not being present okay. there's this you know everything has to be younger you don't want to age you don't want to have wrinkles you don't want to have but the thing is is that with age comes experience and one of the things that I'm finding now is that I'm more comfortable in myself than I have ever been. And when I I look at the women that have been really important in my life, they they grow into themselves. You know, they become more of the core person that they are. There's less apologi like apologism, I guess is word, right? You know, there's less kind of trying to present a face externally and more of just self-acceptance and, and being able to to live off their experience, which is something that, you know, men have always had, but it's a, uh, it's a process. You said, or you mentioned in the beginning that the topic of the elderly women creating from polymerclay, you got that idea a few, like how many days, months ago before you actually started to sculpt? Years. Years, um, uh -huh. years. So I, I'd been sculpting clay for a long time, and it's something that I did on and off. I always had it on the side. And um, I lived in in the UK, and I'd found my first brick of polymer clay. It was the only one I'd found. Like it was just uh -huh. I couldn't find it again. Uh, and I, I made this old man, kind of just like coming out of the stone. And there was something about the texture, and you know the the ease of being able to create it and again like it just came out um and then i couldn't find anymore and it, it just didn't uh -huh. it didn't seem to exist and it was really difficult to get it shipped in um and so i i 
kind of kept to clay and you know they've kind of kept going and then i got here and um we have the you know fantastic art resources available and all of a sudden i was just kind of buying it in bulk never it was in and like just stocking up because it would run out every once in a while and i just be like it's because it's all in my house now <laughs> and so yeah i've i've been able to to stay with that a little bit more and do a little bit more uh exploring in that sense which brand of clay do you work with? Uh, so I use Super Sculpey. Super Sculpey, um, that's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's got a really good texture. It's a little bit harder uh, to work with, so it's it's got a little bit more give unless it's really hot and humid, which it is going to be yeah. very soon, and so then it softens up. But um, it it keeps the detail in a really good way, and I you know the the tones work well, especially when I'm painting. It it's easy to bring something in or out of it. You know, what is fascinating to me, you said that you work with the clay for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I just can't believe that you are already creating such art pieces as you do. I, I believe and I get the fact that you must have some art degree or something, some experience <laughs> in this industry. But like the results is incredible. <laughs> uh, so I did study fine art, yeah. Um, okay. I uh, I did painting and photography and so I still do photography. Uh-huh. Uh, less so the painting these days, um, but again, the the sculpture was something that just kept going um, on the side. I was doing art fairs and things like that while I was kind of working full time elsewhere, um, and so that you know the the practice was there, the the work was there, the learning yeah. was there, um, and that's something that just never stopped. And something I've been doing since I was little. I actually didn't do very much of it in school at all. Um, I I didn't feel comfortable presenting that side of myself when I was you know I was doing like abstract works like um like I remember I did a sculpture of wire or something and presented that instead it was a mobile and nothing to do with this just because I didn't feel comfortable showing Uh kind of the the more realistic things yeah what is the feedback of your audience and the people around maybe your family that you became a sculptor sculpting women like that I, I was allowed to do my own thing, and I think I, I come from a very eclectic family. Um, so, like my my grandfather was a playwright. My uh, my grandmother was a television producer back in Poland, and my mom, you know, was writer creative. And it's just kind of been accepted that we just we do strange things. <laughs> like you know, I don't want to say strange. It's just like you know, you're you're 20, you finish university, you get on the sailboat, and you just go on like 24 hours notice because that's you know what are you going to do after school? And like you go traveling. You know, when I moved in, when I moved to the UK, I I went with just a backpack, and like there was just no kind of no surprise about it. It was it was just kind of living outside. The frame of things and it's it's not to say that it's been easy um you know there there's very long stretches of time where it's it's hand to mouth you know like you you work just to kind of try and figure out where the bills are going to come from where stuff's going to come from um but with the art it's just it's never really been a choice it's just been something that's been part of the fabric because yeah. of growing up and of living and um i don't know that these would have been the favorites <laughs> in my family i don't i don't think they would have liked them that much but um like they i think they appreciated slightly more classical works like i went through a, a very skeletal vikshiski phase and that was very much liked but i think these ones wouldn't wouldn't pass muster 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I'm curious that after you finished the college and the university, what was it like for you to be free, but also with that comes the responsibility or just like, you know, you, you suddenly need to take care of yourself as an artist? I, I don't think I ever had that until very recently. Um, so I, like I started working when I was very young. I started working when I was 16 and that contributed to my studies. And then I moved out when I was 18 and was pretty much self, you know, self-sufficient after that. You know, parents would help here and there, but it was kind of few and far in between. I think I was a grown up very early in that sense. Um, and it was, it was very much about doing what was available. So I've, I've done a little bit of everything. Uh, getting into the art world was particularly hard, especially with, you know, ceramic. And I think I hadn't quite found my voice yet. And, and I think that showed in my work. Um, and so I, you know, I worked in television production. And I, I worked on boats and I worked in bars and, you know, as, as a waitress and everything in between, you know, as a rock climbing instructor for a while. And so it's, uh-huh. it's, it's been a roller coaster, but the art was just, again, like it was just always something that was on the side and that I was always doing. Like I would, I always had a setup. I always had, you know, a space regardless of where I was, where I could create, where I could make something, because if I didn't, I didn't feel like me, I didn't feel like myself. So it's, it's always been there. And do you feel that those, all those different kinds of the jobs you did kind of, you know, influence the way of your art? I think probably, I think it, it gives you different perspectives. You meet different kinds of people you know, different, different ages, different socioeconomic groups, you know, if you're in a place like Europe, you know, different social status, which is less prevalent here. It's still, it's still around, but it's, there's not quite the distinction. So like, if you, if you go to a bar here, like the thing that I would notice is that, you know, you, you go out with all of your workmates and everybody's kind of in the same field and here it doesn't matter. We don't, seem to have that same kind of division of um of work and space and so you know you'll you'll go and like one person will work in a restaurant and the other will work in something else and the other person will work in something else or like be a doctor or whatever and like you you get along because you have common interests and common things going on it's it's less kind of subdivided than what i saw elsewhere um and so i think it it leaves you space to take in a lot of the experiences of other people. You observe people a lot, right? I do. I get to observe people a lot. I, not in a creepy way, I promise. Yeah. So after the podcast will end, you will be like, oh, Lucy Wilson, you know, like. <laughs> no, I. it's it's one of these things that's just, I find that you know, people always ask about beauty with these, you know, like you know, the physical beauty of these. And one of the things that I've found is that people get more or less attractive depending on who they are. And, you know, you can have someone who physically will look less, you know, Adonis and then doesn't have much going on. And so they become less yeah. attractive with it. And so there, there's a whole other, you know, world of spectrum of, of beauty and attractiveness. And, you know, I, I look for that a lot in both in these, but also like in my ph- photography work, because uh-huh. there's so much more than 
just that kind of like very narrow idea of like you know white tall skinny and I really try and bring that out in the person that I'm working with that I'm photographing in these pieces and because I that's what I find beautiful you must be like a very sensible person because as you are talking about characters and people and what they look like and what they are like within the person like inside do you feel like you are sensible to things going around you I think I always was um I I grew up in a, a very strained and particular set of circumstances and I think one of the things that that taught me was you know you you look for mood you look for switches in mood you look for how people react to things and you become very adept at being able to read other people under those for circumstances her. and especially if you leave the house early you know you have to learn to judge people very quickly Um, and I've been incredibly lucky to be surrounded and kind of find a really good community and find good people on it's uh it's definitely something that I'm aware of and I find that I will also mirror the energy around me in in that sense as well and so you know if there's tension I'll feel it if there's and you know whatever whatever people bring to the table I'll tend to I'll tend to mirror and so I think because of that, I've become a lot more selective in kind of who I bring closely into my life as well. You you are saying things, and I'm immediately thinking about that in my own life. So <laughs> the therapy just started, <laughs> but it's just like kind of truth that you know I, I gotta compare myself to you, but I feel things that others. Or people around kind of don't care about that much and sometimes it feels strange because you feel like that you are not like judging people but that you sense more that mm-hmm. maybe even was not there you know like you are getting some kind of feelings and image of that person and you are just like asking yourself like was it real or was it just like my feelings and you know just trying it all put together that makes a lot of sense um you know there's there's this idea that there's there's three experiences in the room right there's what you bring to it because you have all of this history and all of this baggage that's entirely your own and so you live within that spectrum there's the other person that's also bringing that and then there's what's actually happening Uh (laughs) and so you know the events are are threefold there's you know you me and then the reality of what's happening and so um you know what I'm putting down is not necessarily what you're picking up and so I I think that's the most natural thing of the world and I think the the only thing you can do in that sense is try and figure out how it serves you and you know what you're learning from it and what feels healthy in those moments what feels you know what feels like it's lifting you up like it's lifting the other person up and you know what's what's caring and loving and and important out of that Now you will be maybe surprised, but are you a fan of Marvel movies? I'm a huge fan. <laughs> oh my god! Because you are like talking about concepts and things that are like happening there at some fantasy way, and I always found it so fascinating that these things are actually happening somewhere in those like the multiverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a good way of looking at it. Now that's something that I wonder about for sure. Uh, when yeah. I was little, one of the things I actually used to do is uh, 
whenever there was like a reflection or something, I would always check whether like there, like I would tap on a glass and see whether there was maybe the possibility of going through because there was a, another universe on the other side and it was like maybe a crossover. Yeah. It gives you a little bit of insight into what's going on in here. But yeah, no. Marvel, yeah, like why not? Everything. Yeah. It's so cool. I, yeah. No, I, I grew up on, on comic books and, and just books and a lot of reading. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it definitely, like, influenced the way, I don't know, we are, like, living in the world. Because I don't know what is your experience when you are leaving the cinema or when you finish the movie. But I'm just, like, always, I'm with my sister there and we are, like, wow, this is just happening around us, for sure. Or something, like, you see the concept getting kind of real. Yeah. And it's, like, so cool to... You know, I just like wonder what is the fantasy and what is the not, what is not, and I mean, kind of... what isn't, what isn't? Yeah. Um, wait, so okay, have you? We, we can't give bloopers away. Like we can't, we can't not bloopers. We can't give away stuff. But like, have you, uh, have you watched Loki and uh, Doctor Strange yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, like okay. the time and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is definitely not going to be a podcast about Philip Merkley, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much more to it, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, like diverging timelines is so interesting. Like every choice yeah. that you make, right? Like every decision yeah. that you make, the person that you choose to become, and that's that's the thing that I've I've kind of been thinking about the most recently. It's like especially when you think about these different timelines, is like consciously making a choice for what kind of person you're going to become, uh-huh. and like. You know, it's it's not always possible in the moment, but like when you're living something, you you have that realization of like, okay, what kind of person do I want to be? How do I want to address this? And like sometimes, unfortunately, it comes after the fact, and like you know, shit has hit the fan, so to speak. But like, you know, when you have those moments of like, okay, I have a choice to to pick a direction. You know, uh-huh. that's such a beautiful, beautiful concept, and like a. A beautiful life experience that like you're able to decide to to take a road you know to take a, a purpose yes. my words are failing me yeah like but. every single other movie there is like something that just makes you think differently in the moment and even though it's just like a comic based stuff and just like so Not cool that the concept amazing. is there yeah it's like i'm just amazed i know i'm always wondering if like stanley was so sort of like i don't know like like the way that he was thinking and creating these things in the world that must be like incredible and his mind and the people like even the kevin fake and everyone around who is like involved in that that's like yeah wow must be a lot. i i mean i would give everything to spend a day in the mind of, of stanley yeah. and kind of live in those universes yeah. proper you know like just to be able to live that and create it must be her. next level i mean the thing that i wonder is like you know it, it there are things that become normal to you and like whether when he was seeing it come out you know in these movies when he was seeing all of this kind of take place how much like how how his world how his vision was affected by that you know and, and uh-huh. how it how it changed and i mean you know you look at the experience of the people that have worked on those movies and everybody's saying that it was incredible and like and I think it's just because of that one mind, you know, that like that one creativeness. So whatever whatever magic he had in that brain of his was uh Yeah. And even the way that they are doing the marketing and everything around, 
it's so inspiring to me because like just those posters for the movies and everything i'm just like fascinated by the graphic design and the way that they promote each movie and each thing yeah in advance it's just like very inspiring and something where i learn a lot like with every new project that's coming out so there is a lot of things and we can i think we can agree that we can definitely uh, recommends to everyone from the public they want us to <laughs> become a Marvel yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Like, a secret a secret dream of mine is to one day be a Marvel villain. Like, that is that is my pipe dream. If I well, if I can ever... Like, I don't care who. Like, I'll just stick whatever. But, like, yeah. It, it, since I was little, that was something that, like, has definitely yeah. been, like, a little worse in my head. Like, maybe one day. So we'll see. Maybe when I'm you know, an old lady. I'll have my uh, my turn. Yeah, but you know what is also fascinating about that one last thing? That with every single new movie or series or anything, they are like exploring a different culture. So right now with Miss Marvel, you get like Pakistani and with others you had like Indian, Eternals and so on. So that's something that you do as well because you are like showing something that people like don't talk much about. There is some kind of like similarity, at least I see it that way. So I, I can't, I can't say uh, in good faith that my pieces are uh, multicultural. I, I mean, they are, they are white. There is, um, there is a question that's been raised a couple of times. I, I answered this on the Famous When I'm Dead podcast, and also, it is a question that people message me, and it's, it's why, you know, why haven't I sculpted? Um, black or or indigenous or, or women of color and the truth of it is is that i can't speak to that experience i you know i can't speak to what it is like to live in a black body in america um you know to feel unsafe to to have so much um you know history and stigma attached to just the very image of you know, of a, of a, of a body, right? Like, so we have a history in art of exoticizing and, uh, commodifying and appropriating the bodies of women of color. And we live in a society where that is still a struggle daily. And so, you know, I'm from Canada, um, I'm first generation here and I, you know, I can't speak to the experience of a woman who has gone to, let's say, residential school and, you know, has had the experience of HIV, has had the experience of forced sterilization and, you know, everything that is attached to that, um, that is not, that is not a right that I have to, to represent that in a body. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these pieces that are exposed, they're raw, they're naked, they're vulnerable. And I don't feel that I have the right to embody a woman of color. I, I don't feel that I have the right to portray that in a way that these pieces are because there is still the question of, you know, bodily autonomy and healthcare discrimination and, um, you know, the, the death rate amongst, um, you know, black women uh, in childbirth because they're not getting adequate care because of the color of their skin. There, there's so much that I can't even begin to 
to understand of that experience. At the moment, that is the question that I, that, that's the best that I can answer that question. Um, and that is that I don't, I don't feel that I have the right to, to create that narrative because it is ongoing and important and it's a conversation that needs to happen and that, you know, we as allies, as, as people who, um, you know, have benefited from the privilege of, of, of being white and benefited from the privilege of um, not having to move through the world with that fear um, and with that stigma that, you know, we we have to create an environment where that experience is first told and first exemplified and embodied by people who have lived that and who whose experience that is. Yeah, but you know that this is something that needs to change in everyone's hearts, you know? That's that's the greatest thing about it. I know that the issues in America and Canada are totally different than in Europe. But what I saw with the Ukraine war, which is kind of like two countries next to us, and it was I know that it's a disaster and it's like so sad, but for some reason, I think it opened the hearts of a lot of people because suddenly you saw older people or those who maybe like were more judging people from different parts of the world and treating them like something else. And suddenly they were like offering help and everything and even though it may not last for the world part or un until today there were so many changes and i saw that even in my family like suddenly we have a wonderful lady from ukraine in her our second apartment and just that single thing like because it was actually funny because we were the very first family in our city and one day i just got a call if we can do that, because I applied to some farm and I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. And I was like kind of thinking how this little thing that I did in the moment affected like 10 people around, which is kind of incredible. Like the girl who came here to live here and to start a new life completely in a different country without anything suddenly made like several friends start a new life a new job at my dad's company and you know like so many things around changed just because one little thing and it was kind of beautiful to see that people were open to that because before they were they would be like why someone should come here we don't have enough ourselves and so on so it kind of makes me think that the fear in everyone makes these kind of things that suddenly people are threatening people in sad very wrong way instead of like welcoming them purely with their heart yeah i think i think adversity breeds you know recognition i you know i i think that what you're doing is incredible um truthfully i think we do have a very long way to go um you know and i i say this and you know i i have family near the border in poland and i know that everybody's really nervous and, The thing that, you know, is, is, you know, people are opening their homes as well, but there's also still a prejudice. And so they're, you know, 
one of the reasons why people are willing to open their homes is because the people that are coming in are their neighbors. They're white. They look like they do. They speak a you know a similar language. When I when I hear a Ukrainian woman, you know, saying a bomb is coming, I understand what they're saying because the languages are similar, right? We've got the same root. But one of the things that was coming out, unfortunately, was the fact that you know Syrian refugees were coming to the border and being turned away, and they were also going through war, but they didn't look. Yeah, the part you know that's another people, issue. Yeah, yeah, people that are Muslim people, and they're also coming from war-torn countries, and they, they yeah. still can't get in. They're still not getting the help. They're spending years in refugee camps. Yeah, well, I just want to say that you, you see some kind of shift happening, but it's I hope still so. I think so. not the thing that we we would love for it to be in the next world. I think it's step by step, but so, so you know, I think progress is happening. I think it's slow. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's happening so slow. A, a slow, and I think that you know it takes people like you to you know to bring people in their homes and make that happen and make that change. You know, to yeah. to really bring that awareness into the world and and to create an environment where we can have the dialogue and we can open those yeah. doors and we can you know I think and that's speaking really about that, there is actually a pro- project called the Gathering if you knew, mm-hmm. if you know about it, and basically I think it was ten women of color and then white people putting together a project where they spent a lot of time talking via Zoom and online and having exactly this kind of like dialogue about things and issues. And the result of that was that they created several wall art pieces also from polymer clay. So that's just something that I love to mention because for those who are listening, this is a polymer clay project. What's the name Would of the Would you project? like to write it down? Yeah. I am writing the, it down, yeah. The, the, the Gathering. The Gathering, okay. Yeah. I'm terrible with names and with, with titles, and so I have to I have to write stuff down. Otherwise, it just go by it should be brand. Uh, I mean, I'll look that up. Well, we chose <laughs> for different <laughs> topic after the marvel. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's real, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's stuff that's happening now, and... I think everything, you know, everything that's going on around us influences it. And, and you know, the, the question is very real, right? You asked me, you know, whether, you know, about pieces being multicultural and, you know, the, sure. the answer of why they, they can't be that much, at least for me, is, you know, is, is very complex and very, very difficult. And I, I think it's important to have that conversation. I have a few questions about your art as well. So I would like to give you the space to talk about it because, well, I'm curious that if you would put together your very first sculpture mm. and the latest one, what has changed? Oof. <laughs> um, a lot and not very, very much. Um, I think that my work is becoming more playful. Um, you know, obviously, my I, I'm constantly learning, and my skill is is evolving and and changing, and details are coming in in different ways. Um, and you know, I'm I'm wrestling more and more again with like the idea of you know color and representation and skin, and you know my my part in that. Um, and so, especially as kind of the work is becoming. It, it's it's growing and it's it's getting out into the world in a way that I never expected. Um, my responsibility for how I'm 
how I'm making my work is is something that is also coming into into the forefront of uh, of how I think about it. Um, and so, yeah, I think my well, my first, my very first piece, I think, was is, is one that's very dear to my heart. Um, it actually lives in Germany right now. It's uh, Granny Germain. Um, and it was, I didn't think about that one. It just came out entirely on its own. It didn't, it didn't come to me in, in the sense of like, I had a, an idea in my mind and I was going to be able to create, you know, this thing that uh -huh. I was seeing. It was very much like, okay, something needs, something is happening right now and I'm just going to follow it. Um, and so I think that right now I, I do tend to think a little bit more about concept and how I want things to to look and to be framed and, and the complexity of, that is going up. So, you know, the the most the two most recent ones are, are the Olgas, which are <laughs> actually right there. And, and this is one that I'm just finishing right now. It's it's still in the works, but well, your artwork is full of incredible details. And I'm curious if you have a tip for patients. Not in everyday life. <laughs> it's it's the one, I think it's the one thing where I just become obsessively detail-oriented. Um, I, I can't explain it. I think that it's actually one of my favorite parts of the process uh -huh. is, is bringing in those details and those like tiny little scratches and, you know, and like getting along close the stretch marks and all of that. Uh -huh. Um you know, I, I think that that's, uh, it's bringing it to life in a different way. And so it doesn't feel like patience. It, it doesn't feel like I'm, I'm working. The bit where it does feel like it's work and that requires patience is actually building the frames and then like working around the frames. It's, it's like the most tedious part of it. Cause you used to, it's, it's a blob that it doesn't kind of give you the feel of what it's going to be yet, but it's, uh, none of it feels like work other than, other than that kind of part of it so I, I kind of just dive in and everything goes away and right now in your life you if I'm correct you have like sculpting and photography and you are switching so right now I'm doing half and half uh, so half the time I'm doing so three days a week I do photography and editing so I do uh, I do work for a company in Montreal doing editing for other photographers around the world um, and doing my own photography and portraits and stuff like that and then uh I would say that as well in those evenings and the other <laughs> the other four days of the week I'm doing this. Um, mm -hmm. I don't get out much. <laughs> I can just work. Um, which is fine. COVID still is there. I'm, I'm you know, staying in my bubble. Um, so technically it probably is a full-time job, but on paper I do also work elsewhere. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was a question in the Plumber Week magazine where you had the interview, and I think we asked you if you would prefer or if you can choose between photography and sculpting, and you said that you cannot live without sculpting, right? I can't. Um, I can't live without it, but I don't want to choose. No. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're different sides of the same coin, right? Uh, like, they're, um, they're different ways of exploring people and, and beauty and, and kind of things like that. I think with the photography, what's really interesting is that I get to meet other people on their level and I get to explore experiences outside of my own. 
Uh-huh. So I get to, you know, I get to explore the other person and their life and their vision in a way that they come out into the world. And so that's that's actually, you know, one of the ways that um, I do get to connect with the outside world in a very different way. Uh-huh. Um, whereas this is, is kind of the internal world coming out. Well, I think that a lot of people from your audience are asking if your sculptures show real people or if it's more like your imagination or, or maybe auto-portrait. I I think it's it's I'm, mostly I'm sorry, maybe auto-portrait. I just realized how bad it sounds. Because... No, no, it doesn't. Just... You know what I mean? Like you are more like creating elderly women and you are definitely <laughs> young. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm as, sorry. I, as I sit here drinking my coffee and thinking about biscuits. Yeah, no, um, maybe I'm just, I'm secretly an old lady at heart. Um, I don't know. So... I think it depends on how you see age. A lot of people see age as growing conservatism and, you know, this kind of turning inwards and kind of locking yourself away from the world. And, and I I see it very differently. Um, you know, I see it as evolution and growth and um, life, right? It's life experience. And so, you know, if, if they are self-portraits, I yeah not complaining because it means that you know they've lived um but i think they they take different aspects so you know there probably is a piece of of somebody that i know and every one of them right somebody that has affected or or kind of changed my life and my experience and um you know the way that i the way that i'm growing as a person and and moving throughout the world is probably definitely coming out in these well you know, whether it's an emotional or gesture or like resistance or, um, you know, there's obviously like anger and, and all, all sorts of things that, you know, that do percolate and come out of each of those things has a history, you know, it's filtered through a lens of experience. So yes and no, this <laughs> can answer to that. Have you ever got an offer to sculpt someone else as some model? I do get requests for commissions regularly. I do turn them down. Uh-huh. Um, I think for the most part, it's been it, it's not been things that I'm necessarily interested in doing or that I feel that I would be able to, I don't want to say do all, but I, I would be able to kind of do properly. There was one that I was kind of intrigued by, which was I, I got asked to do uh, the queen I think it was like the queen of of Persia at some point so that was one that they didn't follow up um but oftentimes it's just kind of like people see that I do realism and then they want like you know their their family member or you know they want an action figure for their kid or something like that and it you know art is something that is deeply personal and it takes a really long time to make and so you invest a lot of time in it, right? Like one of these pieces will take a month to make from beginning to finish. And if I'm going to do that, it has to be something that I care deeply about. How do you feel when you finish a sculpture? Often very frustrated. (laughs) Um, It'll take me a minute to like come back to it and appreciate it. Um, I, I tend to be... I'm I'm the kind of person that's never fully satisfied with something until 
you know, until much later. And so sometimes it'll take me a month or two to be like, okay, you know, this is, this is okay. I can, I can be with this. Um, and so I'm, I'm learning to let things go. That's, that's something that has been a really interesting process to kind of just accept that it's good enough. You know, it's, it's not perfect. It's not exactly the way that I imagined, but it's enough and it's okay. And so it depends on the piece, I would say. <laughs> um, you know, some of them I love better than others. There's some that are hiding in the cupboard right now that I just, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a meme that was circulating of just like, you know, don't do drugs, do art. It's much more expensive and you put your heart and soul into it and then end up with something that you absolutely hate. There's like an entire cupboard of stuff that is just never going to see the light of day. Oh, yeah. Uh, but there's other ones that I'm happy with. You know, like the the two Olgas were were probably the hardest piece that I've I've worked on. It was it was a real struggle to kind of get them to a place where they kind of matched up with the vision that I had, um, especially around like face and eyes, and just kind of getting it's it's hard for me to work small. And I think that's probably why I do it is because it's difficult, which is interesting. But, um, and so, you know, getting, getting the details of the face was something that was a real struggle. And so I kept coming back to it, coming back to it, coming back to it. And at some point I was like, okay, this is, this works. It's, it's enough. And then they kind of came into, into being and are, are their own, they're kind of their own thing. And I'm, I'm satisfied with them, if that makes sense. But you are selling your artwork, right? Yeah. The process of sending that and just letting the sculpture to live its own life. Isn't it frustrating? No, no. I think I, I think the only time that it's, it's a little frustrating is because I, I work with a couple of galleries. So I, I, you know, I, I show through that and I'll also, you know, I also sell to the person directly depending on whether or not the, the gallery represents a piece or not. So sometimes they'll get first choice. Um, but one of the, the things that I, um, I love is the follow-up, like knowing, knowing who they're with, you know, where they're, where they're kind of living their best life. Um, so like, I know that, you know, Germain, Germain is in Germany. <laughs> um, and I get updates, you know, I'll get updates of just like, I'm having coffee with Germain today. And then like, I'll get a picture of her and it just, it always makes me really happy. Um, and then there's others where I have no idea. So like I, you know, bubble gum was sold through a gallery and I discovered that it's a young family and it's somewhere, it's somewhere, it's somewhere out there, you know, like it went from Toronto into the, there, I have no idea if it's just in Canada or where, and I wonder about it, right? Like I, I wonder about where they've ended up because they, you know, that person has, you know, my brain child in their living room or whatever, you know? And how many sculptures are they somewhere in the world? Uh, a couple now. Um, so, I mean, keeping in mind it's only a year and a half. Uh, so there are two that are making their way back from a gallery in Germany and uh, in Munich. There's one that's actually living there, which is Germain. There's three, I think, around kind of Toronto and that region. Um, one is literally being packed to to go now, which is the Dino Granny. Um, so so they're out there. They're they're kind of making their way out into the world. And then these two, uh, ooh, not this one. Uh, 
this one and the two Olga's are going to be going to the gallery in Toronto. And then I think this one will be going to uh, Munich for an exhibition in September with uh, the Storpunch Gallery. I don't know if I'm saying that right. My, my German sucks. Well, I don't know, <sighs> but I will check that out because like it's super close. So I shall take yeah. a picture for you. Oh my God. Yes, please. So be nice. Yeah. Yeah, that would be and amazing. I'm always like happy about to see like Bloomberg's artwork in the museum. Like we talk about it with Joseph Barbaccia and it's like fascinating because he was like, sometimes he doesn't write that it's made from Bloomberg clay, but he just writes clay. Yeah. And you know, like there, there always has been some kind of definition of the material is something where it's more for the kids or something more like a craft material than for art itself but in your case what you do and the sculptures and the way they look like i believe that it's not a problem that you create from polymer clay for those museums right i i think that i didn't know about that when i started yeah. and so it didn't cross my mind i also have very strong opinions on people that make clear dis distinctions between craft and art, um, especially that craft was something that is traditionally associated with women's work and therefore wasn't considered worthy of being exhibited and wasn't considered, you know, high art um, until very recently, and that's changing again. Um, and so, yeah, the, the craft side is, is interesting because it's, you know, it, who who gets to decide <laughs> um and so you know i didn't i didn't really have that mindset when i was coming into it i also didn't think about the fact that i was creating art and that way because i i was just you know i was just thinking about the thing that was in front of me um and you know how it kind of lent itself to something i i was very removed from you know the the politics of it because you know art is very political and um and yeah, so if, if somebody wants to consider craft, by all means, you know, because craftsmanship is exactly that, you know, it's it's people that have lent hundreds of thousands of hours into their skill and into their talent and into their work. And I would argue that, you know, that is what makes an artist is, is those hours of practice and hours of work and the creative process that goes into it. And so... I think there should be a shift away from that word, just generally. How do you feel being an art artist in your country? It's been harder to break into the art world here than it was in Europe. Um, and I think that's twofold. I think one is I live in a French province as, uh, you know, a first generation Anglophone. Um, I do speak French, but it's not, it's not what comes the most easily to me. Um, and so I, I can't get into a Montreal gallery at the moment. It's, it's been really difficult. Um, and, and I think part of that is, you know, that it's, it's a very exclusive, you know, we, we are a small country we're large in land and small in, in people. And so the, the competition is, is very high. Um, you know, the, the artist caliber is very, very high and everywhere. And so it's, it's, you know, the, the gallery amount per people is probably smaller than those in Europe. Um, but I've had a lot of success in, in Toronto and the States and uh, in, in Europe. Most of my pieces, when they do sell, go to, um, you know, France, Germany, uh, UK, Belgium, 
U.S. and Ontario, like those have been kind of the main points of uh, of attention that I've got. For some reason, I'm also really big in Iran, which is great. Um, so like a quarter of the people that follow me are Iranian. Um, and so it's been it's been an interesting thing to see kind of where where things land. Um, I've also found a big difference since I I shifted to using my middle name as opposed to my last name because my last name was very, very long. Um, so like my last name was named Chinovska. And for for most English speakers, they kind of just go, yes. <laughs> they just can't. Um, and so there, there was a shift, and I think also like an embodiment in that because I was able to kind of give give that a name that it has on its own and once I was able to do that and kind of find find a home for for the way that I can make my work that you know where it's cohesive and it, it kind of is coming together as like a body of work kind of just as individual pieces here and there um that's been changing a lot um but I think it's it's a bit like anywhere I think being an artist is is hard I I think I had you know, you dedicate a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort into something that's not necessarily going to go anywhere. You know, I when I started making these, I didn't think about the fact that they might get into a gallery or that they might get out somewhere. I, I It came as a complete surprise. And so that was something that has been really interesting. I mean, it's always been something that I, you know, I kind of dreamt about and would have loved to happen. And so to see that kind of realize itself is incredible. I never thought I'd be doing it for the naked old ladies. Um, but I guess that's kind of my truest voice though that's coming through. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think just as hard and just as easy as it is everywhere else for, for a variety of reasons. Um, I think one of the one of the things that kind of came out a lot, especially in Quebec, is like I'd present, you know, I'd present my work and they'd kind of see my name and be like, oh, where are you from? And they'd be like, I'm from Montreal. And I'm like, no, where are you really from? And kind of have to explain it. It's like, oh, well, you're not really a Canadian artist. So like, you don't really fit into this, this world. And seeing that change has been very interesting as well. Wow. Well, let me ask, is working and sculpting from polymer clay something that you would love to do for the rest of your life? Happily. If you told me that this is like, as of tomorrow, I could just like, you know, live in a sea of, of clay and like just do this nonstop, I'd be over the moon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think wonderful. it's something I'll keep doing. And my next thing is trying to explore scale with these and seeing if I can build them up and how the material holds up to uh, a little bit more stress. Well, I can't wait to see your new upcoming artworks. It's just a wonderful message and story of yours. Thank you so much for being a part of today's podcast. I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I really Thank appreciate you. it. <laughs> Shout out to every Marvel fan. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Have a beautiful day.